Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Inside the Huddle. We are finally at game week. Uh, we're going to start breaking down Southern Illinois. If you haven't read our stuff online on HoosierHuddle.com, uh, we had a great Q&A with Todd Hefferman and... Uh, we have a Know Your Opponent that was out today, TJ, uh, who will be joining us shortly, uh, put out a viewing guide for uh, week one. It has all the Big Ten games, where to watch them, what time to watch them. Uh, TJ, how how are you? How was your vacation? And are you ready for some football? I am doing great, Sammy. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on again. Um, vacation was awesome. Uh, very, very good his family and be at the beach it was a great time um yeah i'm recharged i'm ready to go definitely excited uh, that the season is finally here yeah it's you know the nice little beach break i took a vacation myself as well uh it definitely got the batteries recharged uh it it we saw a great fcs game between montana and north dakota state that really got you in the mood for football uh, games start tomorrow. Uh, there's a couple Big Ten games, plus all three IU non-conference opponents um, uh, play. So take a look at that. Uh, do some studying. Um, just enjoy the day. It's the first day of college football tomorrow. So, you know, get through work uh, as quick as you can. Uh, don't slack off, though. But, you know, hurry home and, and, and get those games on TV. Yeah, I think uh, I think they start at six o'clock, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think the Florida International uh, plays Central Florida, so I use non-conference opponent there. Uh, I think they play at six. I'm looking it up. Yes, yeah, they play at six. Um, Elon takes on Wake Forest, so another non-conference opponent there. And the most interesting in the bunch is probably Western Kentucky playing Vanderbilt. Um, I, I don't, not sure exactly who's favorite in that one, but that should be a competitive game. It's going to be a tough matchup for Western Kentucky. Um, I would anticipate that they would be able to score enough to overpower Vanderbilt, but uh, nonetheless, that'll be a really good opportunity for IU fans to see exactly what the Hoosiers are going up against in a few weeks uh, with Brandon Dowdy and that explosive Hilltoppers offense that is going to be on the 29 on Thursday. But, uh, yeah, a lot of lot of good games. I think we're going to talk about the, the rest of the Big Ten games a little bit at the end of the show if we have any time. But, um, yeah, I guess, you know, let's get, to, let's get to talking about what we've been waiting for for a long time, the Hoosiers' first game against Southern Illinois. Yeah, they'll uh, kick off against Southern Illinois at 4 o'clock at Memorial Stadium. Uh, if you're not going to the game, you can watch the game on ESPN News. Uh, that game should be available nationally. Uh, it'll also be available on the Watch ESPN app. Uh, so, 
If you can't make it down to Bloomington, uh, watch the game on TV. Follow our updates. Uh, we should have uh, some Twitter going and some Periscope at halftime. And as always, we'll have analysis and reactions after the game. Uh, so that's that's basically the scene. Uh, hopefully lots of people are down enjoying tailgates. Uh, but let's talk a little bit now about Southern Illinois. It's a, an FCS opponent who the last time they came into Bloomington won. Uh, they won 35-28 in 2006. I know it's a, uh, essentially a lifetime ago when it comes to college football. It's uh, two different staffs. It's two coaches ago for IU. Um, and, you know, Kevin Wilson and those players didn't, you know, didn't particularly uh, talk about it uh, when 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 they were asked about it. Some players didn't even know that, that, that Southern Illinois uh, beat them. But it's still uh, in the front of minds of myself and some other Hoosier fans. Uh, so Southern Illinois is not going to be scared coming in here. Uh, the quarterback who was on that 06 team is their co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, uh, Nick Hill. So they'll be ready to go. They have some some decent talent. Uh, they have a senior quarterback coming back, fifth-year senior, who threw for over 2,000 yards last year, 22 touchdowns and eight interceptions. So they have a rock-solid uh, player at quarterback. They have a couple of running backs who could uh, get the job done. Uh, you know, they have four guys. They look to play four guys. Um, they have one guy who's like five foot five, so that may be, you know, tough to see behind the offensive line. Uh, TJ, what has uh, stood out for you about Southern Illinois? Yeah, uh, yeah. The first thing that uh, first thing that popped out was a senior quarterback that does have uh, experience playing in the Big Ten Stadium. You mentioned this. Uh, in your get-to-know-your-opponent feature, uh, Southern Illinois played Purdue last season. Um, so he does have experience playing in a Big Ten stadium. Um, that game did not go particularly well for Southern Illinois. They lost 35-13. to But, uh, you know, that experience does mean a little something. He transferred from Eastern Michigan and was named the uh, Missouri Valley, which for those that aren't familiar – uh, with the FCS conferences, the Missouri Valley Football Conference is either the best or the, the second best, but it's certainly one of the top uh, conferences in the FCS. So he was named the uh, the Missouri Valley Newcomer of the Year in 2014 uh, with those 22 touchdowns, eight interceptions, completion percentage of 63, uh, the biggest thing that you notice from this offense when you study it from last year is that they are missing Michael Pruitt. He's with the Minnesota Vikings now. I think he was picked in the fourth round or something like that. Um, a mid-round pick in the NFL draft. So they're going to definitely miss Michael Pruitt. It's going to be impossible for, for Southern Illinois to replace that production. And I think that that is one of the concerns they have is the lack of offensive weapons in the passing game. But at running back, like you mentioned, Cameron Walter is going to be the starter. He was a freshman last season, uh, not their lead rusher last year, but he should be this year. Uh, he was you know, decent last season, uh, but really good for a freshman. More than 300 yards rushing, almost 150 yards receiving. Uh, and I, I enjoyed the, the feature that you did with uh, SIU's beat writer, Todd Hefferman, um, you know, he talked about the strength of this team being in the trenches. And that's that's going to be something to watch just because I, I think that most people would say that that is the strength of the IU team as well. 
but particularly the offensive line. SIU returns the uh, three defensive linemen that started last season, both of their tackles and then another defensive lineman. And uh, they also return three starting offensive linemen, including a preseason All-American in their center, Garrett Clark. So, you know, I think a couple of things you're looking for from IU in this game is attempt to get that pass rush going that, you know, we've talked about throughout the offseason is generating more of a pass rush. So they're going to try to get that going in the first game of the season and doing it against an offensive line that appears to be pretty solid and a strength for the Salukis. And then they're going to be trying to get the running game going um, with a, you know, a new, new starting running back in Jordan Howard, a new third running back in Ricky Brookins, just overall moving on without Tevin Coleman. So it's a huge adjustment to try and get that running game going against a, a defensive line that returns a lot of experience game, but I think the big thing for IU, and we'll talk about the keys to the game a little later, but the big thing for IU is you really should not allow SIU to pass for a lot of yardage on you. I know that Mark Iannani is a returning starting quarterback that had a good season last year. He's not bad by any means, but he is still an FCS quarterback, and this is still an offense that does not have a lot of weapons in the passing game. Um, there's just very few proven options. I think that the the uh, returning pass-catching options, uh, very few of them had the yards per target or yards per catch you would consider impressive. So there's, I would say that if Southern Illinois is able to move the ball through the air consistently, it really spells for the IU secondary moving forward, which, as we mentioned, is very young, very inexperienced, and could use a nice starting game, you know, a good performance to give them a shot in the arm of confidence. They, they've definitely talked like they have a lot of confidence, but getting out there and having a good performance in week number one, I think, is really important as we move forward to, to tougher competition. Yeah, definitely, and it, and it's strange to see sometimes, you know, uh, it's strange to see these uh, FCS programs with strong lines uh, on either side of the ball, just because it's so tough uh, to to recruit these bigger bodies at that level. Um, if they do have a big body and they're talented, they they usually go the FBS route uh, and then transfer down. Uh, so yeah, you're you're right. Their strengths are in the trenches, as as is IU's, and it should be a good uh, test to to start the season off. Um, other than that, uh, their spe- uh, SIU special teams have been very weak, um, mm-hmm. and it, that's a place where IU is is breaking in a couple new returners, and uh, and and a new long snapper. So it's a place where that those game reps are very important. And so if you could get SIU to punt, um, even if it's not a good punt, you still get your guys back there, uh, returning kicks, getting a feel for blocking, and all that stuff. So. It is a very important game, even though it is against an FCS opponent. Do not overlook this team. Uh, they have come into Bloomington before and have won. Uh, but let's move on to keys to victory for IU. TJ, what are your keys to victory? One is one that I know you agree with based on the, the preview that I read. Um, you know, establish yourself early. Get off to that early lead. Make sure that Southern Illinois 
has no thoughts of repeating that 2006 upset victory. Uh, if you allow them to hang around in the game, all that that's going to do is, is give them confidence. And I know from an IU fan perspective, all it's going to make me do and all it's going to make the fans in the stadium do is just get nervous. Um, yeah, I know that many of us just with IU football, it's kind of a, Unfortunately, the culture is kind of one that you're waiting for that other shoe to drop. You're waiting for something bad to happen uh, inside the stadium. It reminds me a lot of how I feel when I'm watching the Cubs. Um, I'm just waiting for something bad to happen. And if you allow Southern Illinois to be in this game late into the second half, I think many of us are just going to be very, very nervous about something terrible happening. So for me, the first key to this game is getting off to a fast start uh, and just establishing that you are the superior team and let Southern Illinois know, you know, this is not 2006. We are a much better program at this point. You have no chance today. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I did mention it in uh, my preview a little bit. It's also a preview for the rest of the season. Uh, you have the freshmen are running out on the field, so they'll be in the stands. If you could race out to an early lead and and, and really put this game away by halftime, it gives them reason to come back, not, oh, we struggled against an FCS opponent uh, like Southern Illinois. And, you know, it's really a preview for the rest of the season. If you look good uh, in week one, they'll come back week two and and so on and so forth. So, yeah, racing out to that lead, take all the hope away from the Salukis uh, because if this game is, you know, 21-14 at halftime, they're right there, um, you know, that – that hope is just going to grow, and, and they'll show that they'll belong with them. IU has to come out uh, strong and, and show that, really, Southern Illinois doesn't really belong on the on the field with them. Uh, then what is your second key to victory? Uh, second, I think, any time you are a heavy favorite in a contest, which IU certainly is uh, at this point in the program, um, they're going to be a heavy favorite against any well, not any, but against most FCS opponents. And uh, I think the key to that, um, to making sure that no upset occurs, is to take care of the football. Do not turn the ball over. That that can be one of the things that levels the playing field. If you're giving Southern Illinois' offense a short field, if you're ending your drives, not with points, but with turnovers, I think that that will very quickly turn it from a comfortable day on Saturday into a pretty uneasy one. Um, and I think the the things to watch for with that would be, number one, uh, fumbles from this running back group that, while Jordan Howard is very experienced, he's not experienced as a Hoosier. So maybe you know maybe he has a few nerves on uh, on Saturday and and fumbles football a little bit more than normal, or maybe Divine Redding uh, has some nerves about getting an increased opportunity. Maybe he drops the ball. Or maybe it's not nerves at all. Maybe it's just, you know, lack of focus because you're playing an FCS team and then you just drop the ball. Um, or you have Nate Sudfeld. Maybe the timing still isn't quite right, right with his wide receivers or one of the young wide receivers runs the wrong route and a, a pick is thrown. You know, anything like that could happen. So I think that uh, limiting those turnovers is going to be a very important thing for IU to make sure that Southern Illinois cannot hang around. I'm confident in the offense's ability to score the ball if they're not turning it over. 
Right, and that's a that's a great second key, and and turnovers are very important. Um, my second key uh, was the play of Nate Sudfeld uh, last year in the opener against Indiana State. He threw for 111 yards. Uh, he had an interception. He just didn't look right. Um, so I think having him play well, he doesn't need to go out and throw for 450 yards and six touchdowns. Um, just keep that. Completion percentage around 70%, uh, you know, 65, 70%. Uh, throw for, you know, just look good. You know, pass the eye test. Throw good balls. Uh, you know, be on the same page with your receivers. If he ends up, you know, going 12 for 15, uh, you know, for 170 yards and two touchdowns, that's okay. Uh, you know, then, you know, they might have to run the ball a little bit more. Um, just, just pass the eye test for me. You know, he's, He's chomping at the bit to get back um, out there. He, he's excited to get that first hit out of the way just to calm his nerves a little bit and say, I'm officially back. So, you know, he's 100% healthy. He's rearing to, ready to go. Uh, his leadership skills have, have improved immensely on and off the field um, since last year. And just pass the eye test for me. Um, TJ, we're going to go on to the third key to the game. Uh is there anything on the defensive side of the ball that they, that IU needs to do to win? Well, I, I think that the, the primary thing that uh, that I'm going to be looking for is the play of the secondary. Uh, I talked about it a little bit earlier that Southern Illinois does not have proven playmakers on offense, especially, uh, you know, their running back stable looks promising. Um, you know, you mentioned the 5-5 five, five, uh, second back that they have. I think his last name is Staten. I think that's how you pronounce that, Staten or Staten. I'm not sure which. And I, I apologize to him if he's listening, which I doubt he is. But if he is, hey, how are you? Um, yeah, I think that uh, they have some promising guys at running back. Uh, Staten is one that in particular had over 1,500 yards in community college and is a guy that they think can be a real explosive change of pace guy. Um, but at wide receiver and at tight end, replacing Michael Pruitt, they do not have proven production and proven playmakers there. So I think it's going to be very important to watch the secondary, which, uh, as we've mentioned, is a, a big concern. Um, you know, you're going into a season where you're playing Western Kentucky, you're playing Ohio State, you're playing Michigan State, very explosive passing offenses that – if you have a weakness at, at secondary, they will just pick you to death. Um, so for me, it's going to be really interesting to watch, which you know maybe we'll talk about this a bit later, but the depth chart came out. Um, you can't take it too seriously because, you know, coaches aren't going to give everything away, but, you know, Richard Fant and Noel Padmore are going to start a corner while Chase Dutra and Tony Fields are starting at safety. So those guys are, are starters right now, and it's going to be important for them, plus the primary backups. Uh, the guys like Ben Bach, Andre Brown, Devontae Williams, um, Keontae Walton, you know, Jonathan Crawford, it's going to be important for those guys to get playing time and to, to play well, not just to get confidence, but to prove that, that they're capable of being in coverage and not letting a – to be honest, uh, a weak passing offense, uh, you know, move the ball consistently on them. So that's going to be, I don't know if it's a key 
uh, for IU to get this thing done because I think IU is going to be able to score enough points to, to get the win. But I think it is a key to, to having a good performance on Saturday because I will not feel very good about the team's chances moving forward if the secondary struggles mightily on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be the end of the world. It is game one. Um, it's more, you right. know, a lot of people say that the most improvement you get is from game one to game two. Um, the, to keep an eye on the secondary, Fanton pad more both smaller corners. Um, so what I'd like to see is how they hold up against the run. It's not, you know, this is not, uh, you know, the three yards in the cloud of dust from Ohio State um, or, or any, you know, all-star running game by any chance, but it's still a, a it's a solid running game. They'll have a couple backs. I want to see how they tackle, how they hold up against physical people. Plus, uh, Southern Illinois has a tight end who's six foot seven, and anytime you know you get a matchup like that where it's a guy who's six foot seven, it, it's going to be a problem. Remember James Hardy? He wasn't the best route runner. He wasn't the fastest guy in the field, but he was six seven and had great hands. And he he was a nightmare. So I, when Brian Nord talked about it, I asked I asked him this question at the press conference on Monday. He said that you know I use banded position. They're very physical. They're you know, very athletic, and they'll match up against um, this tight end. So it'll be interesting to see how IU covers him because they don't have a guy on defense who's six foot seven. Um, so right. are, are they going to get physical with him? And, and Wilson called. Uh, uh, forgetting his name right now, but um, Wilson called the tight end the most draftable player on the team, and he is probably overshadowed by uh, Michael Pruitt a little bit, but that's the matchup to watch on defense is they're seven tight end against IU's bandit positions, and maybe if they need help double-teaming him, maybe a safety like Chase Dutcher or Tony Fields jumped in there. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think what you'll see – is that they will attempt to get physical with him right off the line, knock him off of his routes. Uh, I think a lot of times from the highlight films that I saw, um, which this guy did not get a ton of action last year, like you said, because of Michael Pruitt, but it it seemed like he was used as the tight end position really is used as the primary safety valve uh, for the quarterback. And if IU is, is able to get a consistent pass rush, you can bet the tight end is going to be getting a lot of targets. So I think IU is going to be putting that bandit position, which uh, is going to be Zach Shaw, um, Greg Gooch, Niall Sykes. Those guys um, are going to have their hands full with size. So that, that will be an interesting matchup to watch. Um, yeah, I think another thing I'm looking forward to seeing on defense is is the pass rush. Uh, can they generate more of a consistent pass rush with Nick Mangieri moved to defensive end? Um, you know, part of the reason that they did that was to get uh, was to get Zach Shaw on the field. Uh, they really liked him at Bandit, and they wanted him to be able to be on there. They felt good about Mangieri at either spot, I think. But uh, they wanted to get more of a pass rush going, so they've got Zach Shaw, they have Gooch, and they have Sykes at that Bandit spot. They all feel that those are really good edge rushers. So the pass rush has to be better for this young secondary to have a chance. Because if you're not getting any kind of pass rush, good quarterbacks are going to pick apart even really good secondaries if they have all day to sit back there in the pocket. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see if the position changes for Gooch and Mangiri and the addition of Zach Shaw into the starting lineup. 
plus just what you hope is the development of guys up the middle like Latham and Rayner, which we've heard really good things about. Uh, it's going to be important and exciting to see if those guys prove the IU pass rush um, substantially or even a little bit, which would help the secondary uh, in their development. Yep, and, and the tight end's name is Adam Funi. Um, and so just to get that out there, Hoosier fans should know his name. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but uh, that's his name. Yeah, you're right. The pass rush against, uh, you know, an FCS opponent should be, you know, pretty stout. IU uh, looked pretty well, good against uh, Indiana State last year. Bobby Richardson had three sacks. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see the, the front seven play. This is supposed to be the strength of the Hoosier team, uh, and they got to show it. You, you know, fans, again, these are, you know, IU football fans, as you said before, I uh, relate very well to Cubs fans. They're always waiting for that other shoe to drop. So they've heard all offseason, uh, the front seven's good. The front seven's good. They're the strength of the team. They're going to be, you know, we're actually going to have a pass rush this year. Um, that's what they've been hearing uh, from us in the media. So show them. You know, this, it's, it's time for the defense to put their, their money where the mouth is and, and show them that they have a pass rush now, that they – you know, could get a few sacks, that they could rush the quarterback into bad throws. Because you're right, if you don't have a pass rush, you could have Darrell Revis and whoever else out there at corner, if you give a quarterback eight seconds to throw, he's going to find an open guy. That's just how football mm-hmm. works. So, you know, it's time for the defense to step it up and show that, hey, these are the uh, these are the improvements we have. These are the improvements we've made in the offseason. We've been working hard. Time to show it on the field. Um, so it, yep. it'll be nice to see if and where this pass rush is. Again, it's game one, and you'll really know more by game two, but these are some of the things that just we want to see. Uh, also, I think right. um, we'll go into the dip, depth chart a little bit more um, right now. It's very interesting. Yeah, First of all, uh, uh, a word of caution to anybody who takes this depth chart actually seriously. It, it, it's A lot of the times it's not even a guideline. Um, it's more of uh, they put it out just to appease fans. Uh, but there are some interesting notes. Uh, you have your Phantom, like you said, Phantom Padmore at uh, at corner and Fields at safety. Uh, there was no Dom Booth on the two deep, uh, which is kind of surprising. He's kind of fallen off the face of the planet here in the last couple weeks. Uh, but other than that, you know, you have two uh, freshmen at wide receiver. You have uh, Nick Westbrook and uh, Leon Thornton are on the two deep. And then you have um, Mitchell Page and, and Damon Grammer in the slot, uh, which are you know two former walk-ons who got scholarships this year. So we'll see how, how that plays out. And then you have uh, Xander Diamant, which this is you know surprising to me a little bit, not based on performance, but based on what their plan is for him. It's Xander Diamant listed as, as quarterback number two. Thought Danny Cameron looked pretty good in, in in fall camp, and Wilson alluded that they were neck and neck almost. Uh, maybe Diamant was a little ahead of Cameron uh, coming in, but it seems it, this does not mean by any chance that that Diamant's going to burn his red shirt or they're going to play two quarterbacks or use Diamant in a, as a running quarterback or something like that. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if there's mop up duty. Who comes in at mop at at, at mop up time? Yeah, I would be very surprised if if it was not Danny Cameron um, that saw those those snaps. I think that it's likely, um, 
you know, assuming wait, Xander Diamant redshirts, Danny Cameron plays the mop-up minutes uh, and gets those snaps, and if there is a, you know, let's say Sudfield has to come out for a couple of series with a, an equipment problem or a you know minor little knock, I think that Danny Cameron gets those snaps as well. I think the big question is going to be, um, what do they do with Donovan Hale? Do they use him in any type of running packages? Or uh, is he going to take a red shirt as well? And I, I guess we will see that um, develop as the season goes on. But um, yeah, like you said, the, the depth chart uh, is just another piece of information. It's not something to be taken as, as the Bible. Um, it, it's just another piece of information for us to use when evaluating the team before the first game. And then the first game is just a piece of a uh, piece of the story that's starting to develop. It's just one chapter. It's not uh, not meant to be. Yeah, it's it's very hard not to jump to conclusions if they look awesome uh, and win. You know, very very convincingly. It's it's going to be hard to to pump the brakes on on Monday and and say, well, hang on a minute. You know, this is this does not mean they're going to win eight games. Um, and if they look terrible and and just you know barely squeak by, it's going to be tempting to to say wow they're they're going to win only four games uh, you know it's it's important to remember that it's just one game like you said and uh it's just the first chapter in this season um but yeah the depth chart i gosh i was i was surprised um with a couple of things the first being the wide receivers um the absence of Dom Booth and the absence of Marky Hawkins, which Marky Hawkins has been working at a, uh, I guess you call it a hybrid position um, of wide receiver running back, which I've always known that position as an H-back. How does that fit into IU's offense? We don't know. Um, How does Marky Hawkins, how do they plan on using him? We don't know. But he is not on this depth chart. so I don't know exactly what their plans for him are. I know that they uh, – the only things I've heard are that uh, they do like Marky Hawkins, um, and I, I think that they do plan on using him in some capacity. I don't think that he's fallen completely away from playing time. I, I'm surprised that uh, that he's not listed, but – yeah, I don't think that it means that he won't be playing. And it, it will be one more thing to keep an eye on on Saturday is, is how Marky Hawkins is going to be utilized in this offense. I don't think they'll give away much of that against uh, against Southern Illinois. But, you know, maybe we see a little glimpse of it. Um, so that was a surprise. And I was also uh, a little bit surprised that uh, Tony Fields has, it appears, for now, won the battle to start over Keontae Walton. I thought that Keontae Walton would win out there, but um, you know, Tony Fields and Walton are are both talented players. Uh, neither one has much experience, but uh, we're going to see we're going to see what they can do. And it looks like we're going to see a couple of freshmen there in the uh, in the secondary. Jonathan Crawford uh, looks like he's going to get playing time, and Andre Brown uh, looks like he's going to get playing time as well as true freshmen in the secondary. So. That's good for them. Uh, that's exciting, and it'll be interesting to see those guys for the first time. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, 
You know, another thing that stood out uh, is Ralph Green's listed as a number two. Uh, that may yeah. be because of, uh, you know, whatever discipline. Wilson wouldn't announce it uh, last week on, I believe it was the 27th, uh, when he was at Lucas Oil Stadium. He wouldn't announce punishments for Green or uh, Isaac Griffith for their arrest over the uh, off season in April and in the spring. Um, so, you know, to me that probably means it, it pro- it's probably meaningless. Uh, but it, it might mean that Green would be suspended for a half. Um, but he he is listed as a number two. Uh, I don't yep. expect those suspensions to be announced until game time, uh, just because they're playing it very close to the chest uh, for whatever reason. Um, they don't want to give all, Southern Illinois. Might, yeah, they might not even announce it. It, it might just happen internally, and then after the game they say, hey, you know, Ralph Green, it might just be in the, the media notes after the game that Ralph Green was suspended for the first half and Isaac Griffiths was suspended for, I don't know, whatever, one half or one game or, or whatever. They might not even publicly talk about it. Um, that that was something I noticed as well. But I do think that Adarius Rayner, um, I don't think that he's starting there just by default. Uh, I think that they're very, very happy with Rayner in that spot. Yeah, and the thing with with this coaching staff is that they rotate players so many times. It's really, you know, and, and Wilson has said it before a couple, you know, for the last few years. It's not about who starts the game; it's about who finishes the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, and he's right. You know, the strongest players are going to be on the field in close games at the end. Um, you know, if you're finishing games up five, fifty to nothing or whatever, you know, you're probably going to be playing freshmen or guys who need work or game reps and stuff like that. But when it's crunch time, your best players are going to play. And, you know, so it really doesn't matter who starts. It, it's, a, it's a great honor to start, but it, it's really who finishes the game. And uh, we'll see, you know, when it, if there is crunch time, uh, we'll see who, who's out there for IU, who they trust, who they want out there in big moments. Um, but, yeah, the depth chart is just a guide, like you said. It's not the Bible. Um, keep an eye out on some things they they have, uh, you know, they're using a lot of freshmen. Wilson said at his press conference, he wants to play, try and play 20 guys on each uh, side of the ball. Uh, he alluded to the, the Missouri victory uh, last year where they played everybody on defense that traveled except for one guy. And that he, he believes that, you know, they're best when they play a lot of guys, uh, which is true. They, you know, you keep people fresh, you have a rotation, you get game reps for, you know, backups and third-string guys, so your depth gets, you know, some experience, which will be big in Big Ten, uh, come Big Ten play and, and later down the road because injuries do happen. You are playing a lot of fast-paced offense, and you'll need to switch in and out, guys in and out, and, you know, getting even getting one or two drives uh, as freshmen is, is huge. It gets you, you know – Talking to Chase Dutra, he said, you know, as soon as that first play goes by, you now know how fast the college game is compared to high school. Uh, so, you know, even one play for some of these guys uh, will be big to say, hey, we got to step it up. This is this is how it's going now, or or okay, it's slowing down for me. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. We'll see a lot of people go in and out. Uh, keep an eye on freshmen. Uh, if you're watching the game, make sure you have a roster. There's going to be a you know 100 and some odd people dressed, and there's a lot of numbers, and they'll probably change numbers because that's what they do. Um, 
But, you know, keep a roster handy. Keep an eye out for, for some guys, and it should be a fun Saturday. Yep. Yeah, one more thing on the uh, on the depth chart that just a couple of names that I wanted to mention um, to watch, hopefully not rely on this year. Uh, that mean injuries have occurred, but uh, um, Brandon Knight, true freshman, uh, is the backup to Jason Spriggs at left tackle. Um, and I, I think it's clear that this coaching staff really, really likes Brandon Knight. Um, he's going to be a, they think, is going to be a really good player and the successor to uh, to Spriggs at left tackle probably as soon as next season. Um, obviously, somebody will have to next season, but I think Brandon Knight is looking like, if he continues to progress, the guy that's going to take that job. Um, and then Delroy Baker, uh, redshirt freshman, is uh, the backup at left guard um, to Wes Martin. And I think that they, they're really fond of Delroy Baker uh, as well. Um, you have a lot of youth on the uh, on the too deep of the offensive line. I think the future is bright with that unit. But those are just two guys that I wanted to point out that might see some time on Saturday uh, if IU is comfortably ahead. Time names coming up in the future. Yep, and uh, you know we'll now travel around the the conference. Uh, TJ, you put out a uh, viewing guide uh, for uh, week one. It starts. Uh, tomorrow, the third, we have two Big Ten games tomorrow with uh, Michigan at at Utah at 8:30 on Fox Sports One. Uh, that's Jim Harbaugh's debut. It should be interesting. Uh, traveling to Utah is no easy feat. You're at altitude. Uh, they are a good Pac-12 team, and you know Utah beat Michigan in the Big House last year. I know it's a different coach, different team, uh, but that was one of the more shocking moments of the of the season last year. Was after rain delay seeing the big house essentially empty except for, you know, maybe a couple thousand fans uh, sitting there uh, watching Michigan uh, get handled pretty easily. So, you know, that's one of the games uh, I know you and I will probably be watching. Um, So what what are some highlights you want to point out in that game? Well, yeah, I, I think that just looking at the brand names on this, on these, uh, these two teams might, deceive you into thinking that uh, I know that there's been some stuff circulating around uh, mainly by Utah that Popular Mechanics for some reason was previewing college football and um, they were talking about Jim Harbaugh's debut season and that he opened up with a cupcake against Utah um, which be further from the truth and Utah was pointing that out and they're using that as bulletin board material because that's what teams do, but um, you know, I think that if you actually you are a fan of college football and follow it, you're you're well aware of the quality of program that Utah has become, and, and Rice-Eccles Stadium uh, is a really, really tough place to play, particularly at night, on opening night. Um, you know, there's altitude you're dealing with, plus uh, this this is a, a really big unknown um, for Michigan. You know, it's a, like you said, a new coach, an entirely new coaching staff, pretty much. And I know that uh, you know they are feeling really good about their program, and they should for the future. There's no doubt about that. But Utah is established. Um, they've been in their system with uh, Coach Whittingham there for a long time, and we're not going to do picks or anything here. Uh, but we do have a pick 'em pool that uh, you guys should all join. 
Um, yep, it's on ESPN. Uh, I'll tweet out the link again, but uh, we've tweeted it several times. Uh, the prize would be a $20 Amazon gift card. Uh, so join. It's on uh, ESPN. It's The group name is Hoosier Huddle. Um, it's free to join uh, and enjoy. Uh, so we do have a pick and pool. Uh, the link is also on Facebook. I'll tweet one out after this. So, yeah, thanks for mentioning that, TJ. It almost uh, skipped my mind. Uh, but, yeah, moving yeah. on uh, from Michigan, Utah, there's also another uh, good game on Thursday night in the Big Ten. Uh, number two TCU travels to Minneapolis to play the Gophers at 9 o'clock. That game's on ESPN. So it's a two-TV night uh, if you want to watch both games or TV and an iPad or a computer and a TV or a computer and an iPad if you don't have a TV. Um, although I don't know how good the Fox Sports 1 app is on the iPad or you know what special – you know, TV service you need. Uh, but Minnesota, TCU at Minnesota, uh, they played last year down in uh, Fort Worth, and, and TCU uh, beat them pretty handily. But uh, this, you know, Minnesota had a nice season last year. Uh, they kind of surprised a few people, but they lost a lot of uh, firepower uh, with David Cobb and Max Williams leaving for the NFL. And and it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough game. I know the atmosphere is going to be great up there. Uh, it'll probably be sold out. Uh, so that, that'll that be a good game to keep your uh, eye on, too. Uh, Horn Frogs have Trayvon Boykin, who's a front runner for the Heisman Trophy, and, you know, number two team in the country. It'll be a big statement if Minnesota could knock them off. It'd be a, a nice, uh, you know, feather in the cap of the Big Ten West, who's kind of been picked on a little bit as the Big, Ten's, uh, Big Ten East little brother. Yeah, I think even being competitive would be a, a good statement. Uh, for the conference as a whole. Yep, and and now we're going to move into Friday. There are two more games on Friday, uh, both Big Ten MAC matchups. The first one, number five, Michigan State, actually traveling to Western Michigan. Now, I thought Indiana and some of these smaller schools were the only ones to travel to, to MAC stadiums. Uh, that game's at 7 p.m. on ESPNU. Uh, it should be interesting uh, to see Michigan State go on the road uh, Western Michigan has, uh, you know, I think it's uh, Waldo Stadium uh, is pretty nice. That place will be packed. Uh, I expect them to have a blackout. Uh, P.J. Fleck, Western Michigan's head coach, is one of the hot young coaches. He started the row of the boat motto uh, up there. And so the place should be rocking at Kalamazoo uh, with both Michigan State and Western Michigan fans. So it'll be interesting to see how they go up there, uh, you know, Michigan State on paper should uh, run away with this thing by the end of it. Uh, but, you know, the Western Michigan's no joke. They uh, finished 8-5 and five last year, and they're, they're going to uh, be in the, the running for a, a MAC West title. Yeah, I think, that, I think they are going to win the MAC West this season. Uh, I love P.J. Fleck and what he's doing. They're recruiting circles around the rest of the conference. Um, and I, I think Western Michigan's going to keep that closer than a lot of people think. Michigan State will end up winning that game, but but I, I would not be surprised at all to see that competitive end of the fourth quarter. Yeah, and definitely uh, Michigan State is also replacing their defensive coordinator, Pat Narduzzi, who is now the head coach of Pitt. So, uh, you know, it's a nice warm-up game uh, before playing Oregon at home uh, the next week. Uh, the next game also has some interesting uh, undertides to it. Uh, is Kent State at Illinois. Um, as we all know, uh, Tim Beckman uh, was fired uh, last week. Uh, I forgot exactly what day, but he's fired for, 
you know, mistreatment of players and falsifying medical documents, uh, which this story has not played out. Beckman's going to sue because he's losing all, you know, basically his entire contract and all the money with it. Uh, but anytime you fire a head coach a week before the season, uh, you have Bill Cubitt is coming in uh, as the offensive coordinator, now interim head coach. So it'll be interesting to see how players react. And, and Kent State is, is no joke. Uh, but they're, you know, they were, to, they had a couple wins last year, but they'll be ready to go, and it'll be interesting to see how how Illinois uh, bounces back from Beckman's firing. Yes, uh, they had a couple of a uh, couple of injuries Kent State did last year, a lot of bad turnover luck, uh, which you expect to reverse itself uh, in 2015, and they they get back uh, running back their best player. Dramion Franklin, I think is his name, that uh, he missed all of 2014 with an injury. Um, so they get him back. And then you have the unknown with uh, Bill Cubitt taking over uh, for Tim Beckman at Illinois, and it'll be interesting to see how the players respond. Like you said, uh, a lot of unknowns there. You don't know, um, don't really know how Illinois is going to come out mentally for this game or for the season. But they do have a really good one-two punch with Josh Ferguson and Wes Lund that uh, should be enough offensive firepower to get by Kent State. But if they're not ready to play, it would not at all be a surprise to see Kent State win there. Yep, and you know who knows? You know, the, the, basically the things blew up in Beckman's face, um, and it was just bad timing. Uh, anyway, on to Saturday. There are a lot of games on Saturday. There's games all week, actually. Um, we'll start off with uh, number 21, Stanford at Northwestern. Uh, this is an interesting matchup. It's a big matchup uh, for the Big Ten uh, West again. Again, they if they could win some of these games, they'll make some noise. Uh, it's, it's a really tough game for Northwestern to open the season. Uh, they haven't been shy about playing these. Uh, FBS schools to to open up the year and and last year a couple years ago it's uh, kind of backfired on them Stanford mm-hmm. I, I know there was somebody's pick I think uh, Nick's pick to go to the uh, postseason for the college football playoff so that'll be a tough game it'll be interesting to see if them traveling east has any effect that game is on at noon on ESPN um, so it'd be I, I believe a nine o'clock start for them. Uh, on the West Coast, so we'll see how that affects them, and, and we'll see if, if uh, Northwestern could stay competitive. Yeah, Northwestern starting a uh, a redshirt freshman quarterback. Um, his uh, last name is Thorson. His first name is escaping me. Clayton, is that right? Clayton Thorson? Yeah. Yes, Clayton. Okay, good guess. Yeah, Clayton Thorson uh, getting a start, his first career start. He's a former four-star recruit. Uh, that they are they're very high on for the future, but this is kind of a baptism by fire for him uh, against what should be a good defense. Stanford has a really good offensive line this season. I would expect them to physically overwhelm Northwestern um, and kind of ground them down by the time this game ends. But uh, I I would guess that Northwestern would stay within a couple of touchdowns. I'd be very surprised if the Wildcats got a win to open up the season. Like you said, a really, really tough test for them, but another chance for the Big Ten, and like you said, the Big Ten West, to uh, either stay competitive or go ahead and pull off an upset 
and make a pretty big statement for the conference and for that division um, that it's more than just Ohio State and Michigan State in this league. Yep. Uh, next, we're going to move on to Illinois State at Iowa. That's noon on Big Ten Network. Uh, this game screams upset to me. Uh, Illinois yep. State made it to the uh, was the runner up in the FCS championship last year. They have former Hoosier quarterback Trey Roberson is running the offense, um, and Iowa just Iowa does not scream successful season this year. Uh, it doesn't look like they do anything great uh, or even well. They have C.J. Beathard sure. now at quarterback, so it's it's a lot of them are it is unknown. But this game screams upset. If I had to pick one game where an FCS team would upset a Big Ten team, it would be here. Uh, what are what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, Illinois State really I think was a surprise to get to the uh, FCS title game. I don't pretend to follow that uh, that division. They're a very very good team that uh, I'm glad that I use playing Southern Illinois instead of Illinois State. I'll put it that way. Uh, I'd be pretty pretty nervous if I you was taking on the Redbirds, and uh, we would have to deal with the revenge of Trey Roberson, but. You know, congratulations to him. I, I would say for finding a finding a home in Illinois State and excelling there. And uh, I'll be pulling for them against Iowa. Yep, and, and you know we'll, we'll see we'll see that game. Uh, if you have a TV at a tailgate, I would turn that one on as well. Uh, next is Richmond at Maryland. It's another noon start on ESPNU. Uh, Richmond is a very good FCS team. Uh, they did make it to the playoffs last year. They got ousted by Coastal Carolina. And Maryland is a lot of question marks. Uh, so maybe this game is closer than people expect. Uh, but Maryland should pull away at the end and, and win that one. Yep. I I don't really have any knowledge on Richmond. Uh, I know they're in the Colonial, which is, along with the Missouri Valley, the other um, traditionally very tough FCS conference. Those are really the two that, usually provide uh, provide all the top programs in the FCS and Richmond is a member of um right other than that I don't I don't really have anything on the on the spiders other than my wife hates the nickname <laughs> uh, their mascot's pretty terrifying as well um next we're going to Norfolk State at Rutgers another nooner at on ESPN news um this one is interesting uh, just because Rutgers is giving away $100,000 to 100 fans uh, in the student section. If Rutgers takes, I think, the opening kickoff, although if they lose the coin toss, there would be no opening kickoff for them. Um, so maybe it's the, the first kickoff uh, that they return for the season. If they return it for a touchdown to 100 fans in the, in the student section, uh, win $1,000 each. I just thought that was awesome. And I was trying to think in my head what would be more awesome was that they returned it for a touchdown or if it got returned for a touchdown but called back. It's a very <laughs> intriguing um, promotion. So, you know, it, it depends on, on how uh, what my mood is. Do I, do I want to be the bad guy and say, yeah, I want it to get called back or, you know, I want to see kids go crazy over $1,000 for, uh, for that. So it, it'll, that'll be an interesting uh, gimmick there. Uh, they're bringing in a new quarterback as well at Rutgers. Uh, Hayden, Hayden Redding is going to start. Uh, Chris Lavanio was uh, suspended for the first half of the game. Uh, so we'll see how they play. Uh, Rutgers got a lot of uh, question marks as well. So uh, next yeah. up, 
is uh, Penn State at Temple. Uh, Penn State has a, a lot of expectations as a uh, sleeper pick this year with uh, Christian Hackenberg coming in. Um, Temple is they're not a traditional rival, but it's a Pennsylvania matchup. Uh, they'll be playing in mm-hmm. Philadelphia, so uh, we'll see how that game goes. You know, if that offensive line is, is not up to par, then, you know, Hackenberg might struggle as he did last year. Yeah, this game is, uh, if you like over under, excuse me, if you like uh, low scoring matchups, um, this one is for you. Uh, two top 20 defenses last season, both of them expected to be somewhere around there this year, probably even better uh, for Temple. I know Temple returns all, I, I think it was all but one yeah. on their defensive two deep. Um, so, like, 21 of 22 on the defensive two deep return for them, and they were 20th last season in defense. So uh, they should be very strong there. You know Penn State's going to have a really good defense. So it's going to be about whichever team can manage to put together a few successful drives uh, to get into the end zone. I think uh has the better skill position players than Temple does especially a wide receiver with Deshaun Hamilton um, being the standout there. And they've got a couple other like Chris Godwin and Geno Lewis that should do enough as well. Uh, one guy to watch in that game is Saquon Barkley, a running back that Penn State coaches have really raved about all offseason. A uh, true freshman that they plan on using as a change of pace back. If he can provide an explosive element for Penn State's offense, that could propel them from just a good defensive team that's you know tough to beat in Wednesday games. It, it could propel them into that next tier. Uh, he can be a really good offensive weapon for them out of the backfield. Right, that game's at three thirty on ESPN. Uh, next up is BYU at Nebraska. That's three thirty on ABC. Again, this might have an upset special written all over it. Um, BC or BYU uh, with Taysom Hill, uh, you know, is a very good team. Uh, Nebraska with the new coach, Mike Riley, has a lot of um, question marks, but it is at Nebraska, uh, which should give them the edge. They'll be fired up for that one. Uh, It'll be interesting. Uh, That might be one that I DVR that I can't watch because IU plays essentially at the same time. Uh, But that's one, uh, if you're going to the IU game, throw that on the DVR, watch it later. That should be a great game. Yeah, I agree. If you look at Taysom Hill's numbers before he got hurt last season, uh, he was a Heisman candidate through four weeks before his broken leg. So he's an explosive dual-threat quarterback that can really kill you with his legs. Um, Not an extremely good college quarterback. BYU does have a couple of injuries, uh, and Nebraska has some suspensions that Mike Riley will not announce. But uh, we know that multiple players will be suspended for that game for Nebraska. We just don't know who yet. So a lot of intrigue surrounding that one. Uh, I actually do think BYU uh, will, well, they're either going to come really close or they're going to go ahead and do it. So why not? I'll I'll predict them to, to pull the outright victory. Not that we're doing picks All here, right. but uh, like you said, that upset special for sure. And I, I think that they could. Um, they have a brutal schedule, but they're a good team. Yep. Uh, next up after to Southern Illinois at Indiana, 4 p.m. on ESPN News. Uh, the final game, Big Ten game Saturday night is uh, number 20, Wisconsin, versus uh, number three, Alabama. That's at 8 o'clock on ABC. I think this is in uh, 
businesses in Jerry World. Uh, you know, if you can't get more corporate than that, um, mm-hmm. Alabama's going to, I think, going to crush uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin loses a lot on the line. They are a very good team, though, uh, with Corey Clement and uh, Joel Stave back at quarterback. I just uh, – Alabama is going to come out on a mission to crush people this year. Uh, they got beat – you know, whenever your down year is losing in the semifinals, um, you're a pretty good program. I think uh, Saban's going to play uh, with a ticked-off mentality, and this might turn into Alabama versus Michigan. That was down there a few years ago. Going through that uh, – Moving on to, we have games Sunday and Monday, too. It is a holiday weekend. Um, another intriguing game is Purdue at Marshall at 3.30 on Fox Sports 1 on Sunday. Uh, Purdue has an insane non-conference schedule. They travel to Marshall. They play Virginia Tech at home uh, and Bowling Green at home. Uh, and then have, I think, believe Indiana State is their FCS matchup. Uh, this will be a very difficult game for uh, Purdue. Uh, it's coming off. Two disappointing seasons. Marshall is coming off a, a 12-1 and or 13-1 and season uh, last year. Uh, they almost went undefeated uh, and then lost to Western Kentucky. But this is this is a very difficult trip to, to uh, Huntington to take on Marshall. Uh, Purdue might open the season with a loss, and, and people in West Lafayette might be you know scrambling for for cover here after the first game. Yeah, you know, Marshall replacing uh, Rakeem Cato uh, as well as their top receiver, Heath Schuler. So um, they have some turnover there, but it's a really good program. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And they consistently produce really good offenses. Uh, so I don't think they're going to have too much of a problem this season continuing to score. Uh, I, I would expect Marshall to win that game. I think Purdue fans should not be surprised or panicked by it. Um, for them, I think the big non-conference uh, game is going to be Bowling Green. They have to get a win in that one just to be able to salvage a two-and-two split uh, in the non-conference because I don't think they're going to beat Virginia Tech either. Do any worse than two-and-two two in the non-conference, they can probably just fold up shop um, and might be looking for a new coach. We'll see. Yep, and finally, our, our headliner of uh, Monday on Labor Day uh, – Number one, Ohio State at Virginia Tech, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, it's the only game in town that night. Uh, Virginia Tech was the only team to beat Ohio State last year. They beat them in Columbus. So, you know, Urban and and company will be uh, looking for payback. Uh, this will be a very difficult game for Ohio State. Uh, Virginia Tech's defense is very, very good. Ohio State also had injuries to Noah Brown. They had four suspended players. Uh, and, you know, it looks like maybe Braxton Miller starts at wide receiver. Uh, he has he looked good. You know, if you watch these Scarlet and Gray days on Big Ten Network, it's a great show. It's like hard knocks except without the, the cursing um, and all that. But uh, he looks good. Uh, I mean, he's a tremendous athlete, so he should make the transition pretty well. Um, but I, I don't think this is a cakewalk for Ohio State. This is going to be a, a, a slobber knocker of a game uh, that is much uh, you know, appointment television, basically. Yeah, my only concern with Virginia Tech is that they're not going to be able to muster enough points to keep up with the Buckeyes' offense. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of unknowns surrounding Ohio State, a lot more than there was a week ago uh, without without Noah Brown for the entire season. That's a big loss. Uh, I know a lot of the Ohio State defenders were pretty adamant that they couldn't cover him. Um, 
know, during the off-season workouts. So that's a big loss. And they're without Jalen Marshall and Dontre Wilson as well uh, against Virginia Tech. So there, there's some vulnerability there. I, I expect Ohio State to win that, eventually doing so comfortably. But it, it seems like it's going to be a much more interesting game than we had anticipated. And we still don't know who's starting at quarterback and probably won't until game time. So that's good to see. Yeah. <laughs> Good to turn in for as well. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, TJ, that does it for today's show. Uh, we made it through an hour uh, at our first pregame show. So uh, congratulations to us. Give yourself a pat on the back. Um, we'll be back with our wrap-up show on Monday. Uh, and yeah. then uh, on Monday, and then we'll get into maybe uh, next week we'll have a live pregame show for the 8 o'clock game on Saturday. Uh, and other than that, enjoy football. It starts tomorrow. Tune in. Uh, IU plays at 4 o'clock, so follow us at HoosierHuddle.com, at Hoosier underscore Huddle on Twitter, and uh, we'll, and uh, join our pick'em pool, a $20 Amazon gift card to the winner. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and enjoy football. Yes, enjoy your football, guys. Have a good week. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.